Well, good morning, New Community Church. How are you guys doing this morning? Good? It's good to see each of you here. And if you're our guest, this is your first time at NCC or you're watching online later this week, we just want to welcome you and say we're excited that you're with us. My name is Aaron, and I am the lead pastor here at New Community Church. And I've been the pastor here about four and a half years. And our passion is making people and places new. And so once again, if you're new to NCC, you're the heartbeat of this church. We're glad that you're with us. And I'm excited that you're here this morning because we are in our second week of this series called Jesus Above. And we're looking and studying through the book of Hebrews. We do this every summer. We just focus in on one book of the Bible for a number of weeks. So this summer, we're walking through the book of Hebrews, and we're looking at this theme that's all throughout the book. And it's this theme that Jesus is above everything and everyone in our life. And so we see that over and over again in the book of Hebrews. So last week we started with chapters one, two, and three in this book. And we looked at this concept, Jesus is above everyone and what that means for our life. And this week we're going to continue in chapter four of the book of Hebrews. And we're going to look at this theme, Jesus is above our work. Jesus is above our work, which may seem like a little bit of an odd thing to talk about on a Sunday morning, but I am super excited because I believe God wants to challenge us with this idea as we look through the book of Hebrews and as we look at his word. You know, I'm a pastor. That's what I do for a living. And whenever I started off in my early 20s, Sarah and I, my wife, we were married young. We met in Bible college. And then the first job we had was as youth pastors. We moved from Texas up to Illinois. and We were youth pastors at this church for five years. And starting off, I loved getting to work with students, sixth or 12th graders. I had a great time doing that. But just being a youth pastor new at this church, after a few months, the lead pastor left. We had no other pastor on staff there at that church. And so I learned for the first time, how do you do a wedding ceremony? I didn't know. I had to do funerals. I pray I didn't kill anyone, okay, while I was doing a funeral. Like, I'm just learning how to do all this. I remember waking up some Sunday mornings, and they'd call and say, hey, the guest speaker isn't coming today. You're it. And I was like, what? And so I'd get up on a Sunday morning and try to preach a message. I was super young. I didn't know, hadn't had a lot of practice doing this. And so I was, you know, leading the church in different ways, hospital visits and all of that, because we were about six or eight months without a lead pastor. Even when we got a lead pastor, I still did a whole lot in the church. And I found myself starting to work like 60, 70, 80 hours a week. I mean, I was just doing so much. There were other responsibilities. I was still leading the youth group, but I was doing graphic design and networking and rebuilding computers and all of this stuff and hospital visits, all of these things. And, and so I was giving so much. And I was kind of proud of myself for doing that because I thought, this is what a pastor is supposed to do, right? Like, I love God. I'm helping to grow the church. I'm building the church. But it was really difficult. And I, I wore it kind of like a badge of honor, but then at other times it was super hard. And after a little bit, after doing that for a number of years, I started to realize this doesn't feel good anymore. And I'd go sit down with someone to meet them for lunch, and I'd start to talk to them about, hey, you need to read your Bible. You need to get deeper in God's word. You need to understand more. And then I realized, wait, I don't have time to do that. And I was so busy doing stuff for God, I forgot to take time to be with God. And to actually pause them, I'd start to write messages that I was going to preach on a Sunday morning or on a Wednesday night to students about how students needed to pause and listen to God's voice. And then I'd have to stop and ask myself, when's the last time I did that? Like, when have I taken, I'm just so busy, so much is crowding my week. And I thought, God, is this really what you meant my life to be like? 
Like when you called me into ministry, when you called me to be a pastor, is this what you wanted for my life? You wanted 60, 70, 80 hour work weeks? I mean, I thought I was supposed to be doing this. I'm helping to grow the church, but God, is this what it's supposed to look like? Because I looked all around me and things were not good. Like I'm a pastor, but my relationship with God is suffering. And I'm a father, but it doesn't look like that. Like my family is hurting because I'm working 60, 70, 80 hours a week. We have Josiah, Mike, and Angela at this point. We'd adopted our older son, Matt. He was a part of our family, but I didn't have a lot of time to invest in them. And I thought I'm giving so much to God's family that I have nothing left over for my own family. And I thought, is that what it's supposed to be like? My marriage, I never took Sarah out on dates. Man, it's just a blessing from God that we're still together because I worked so much that I really wasn't loving and honoring her the way God was calling me to. And thankfully, by the grace of God, I began to get these pastors and these leaders, and I came across across conversations that reminded me, hey, in my life, in your life, this thing isn't supposed to be a sprint, you guys. Like, you're not called to love Jesus and to burn out in the first few years. And I started hearing these conversations and I started to realize, wait a minute, I want to love God when I'm 60, when I'm 70, when I'm 80. Like, I still want to be doing this thing and I still want to be helping to lead the church and be a part of the church. God, I want to do this. And then I started thinking, you know what? At that age, I want to love my family and I want them to love me. But that means I need to invest in them right now. I can't just wait for some point in the future, maybe when things slow down. Like, I need to take time with my wife and with my kids, or I'm not going to have a wife and I'm not going to have kids because I've broken that relationship. And I started to see, hey, things have to change. And God reminded me of this principle in his word that's called Sabbath. It's this principle where there's this rhythm of rest that every seven days that we would take one day, we would take 24 hours and we would honor God with our lives. It would be set apart as holy unto the Lord. And so I started to wrestle with this idea. What does it look like to participate in this? What does it look like to have this practice inside of our lives? Because I needed that. And church, I'm here this morning to tell you Jesus is above our work. Each of us, we need this in our life. Because so many of us, we're living just like I described. And you go to look at events, you go to look at your calendar, and you have to pick up the phone and call your kids or call a family member or or some other thing, and you're saying, I can't do that. I'm just in a busy season of life. It's just this project, and then you get over that, and then there's another project. I'm just in a busy season. I'm just in a busy season. I'm just and then you look back and you can't remember the last time you weren't in a busy season. That's not okay, church. Some of you, your your parents, and you're thinking, if my kids ask for one more thing, I'm going to pull out my hair. I'm going to scream. If my boss asks for something else, I have nothing left to give. Like I'm living my life. I have no margin in my life. That's not okay. You're saying, Aaron, the church wants us to come to a week of prayer. And then you're asking us in July to go serve the homeless. Like, Like, I'd love to do that, but I have nothing else. That's not how God wants to live our lives. That's a problem, church. Or if you've ever been to the place where you take a few days off, but it was so busy, you look forward to going back to work. Like it'll be, it'll be a little breath of fresh air just to get back. That's not okay, church. That's not what God has called us to. See, he gave us these rhythms of rest in our life because he knew we needed them. And that's why we live in a culture where the majority of Americans, if you get asked, hey, go ahead and describe your life in one word, they'll say busy. They'll say Stressful. I'm doing too much. That's how we describe ourselves. That's not how God meant for us to live. 
And so we look at this idea, what is Sabbath? What is this rhythm of rest? What does it mean to do this? And so I just want to kind of break it down at the beginning of the message, and then we're going to walk through this. Sabbath means this. Whenever we talk about Sabbath, it means stop working, enjoy rest, practice delight, and contemplate God. Now, I'm just going to give this away, okay? A little spoiler alert. If you leave with nothing else from the message, I want you to understand these things, okay? The whole goal of everything, all the Bible verses, all the illustrations, everything I'm going to give you is back to these four ideas that when we practice Sabbath, this is what it means. Stop working, enjoy rest, practice delight, contemplate God. And so to get this inside of you, I'm going to have you say these out loud with me right now. And then we're going to do that a couple of times again at the end of the message. So Sabbath means, let's say them out loud, stop working, enjoy rest, Practice delight, contemplate God. This is the gift that God has given us in our lives. And so I want us to look at scripture. Where, where do we find Sabbath? What does Hebrews say? And so if you have your Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter four, and we're gonna start reading at verse eight, Hebrews 4, eight. And if you didn't bring a Bible with you, that's okay. There's a blue book in the seat in front of you. That's a Bible, and you can turn to page 582. And I want to encourage everyone to have God's word open in front of them to follow along with us what Hebrews is saying. So you can take out your smartphone and Google that passage, or you can take out that Bible there and turn to 582. And, um, and just remember, as we're walking through Hebrews, this writer is writing to Jewish Christians that kept on wanting to go back to what was comfortable, to what they knew, instead of following God's plan and God's design and realizing that Jesus was above every part of their life, that Jesus was supreme. And so this is where we pick up this conversation. Hebrews chapter four, verse eight says this, for if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his work as God did from his. So let me pause right here. We're going to read a few more verses, but let me pause right here. What is it that it, this is talking about? Well, if you don't know the Bible, Joshua is a spiritual leader um, from the Old Testament, the time before Jesus came, and he led the people of God into the promised land. Like you may remember, Moses takes him out of slavery in Egypt. There's the, the plagues. He parts the Red Sea. They get the Ten Commandments. He leads them through the wilderness. But when he dies, Joshua takes over and he leads them into the promised land. And some of these Jewish Christians were saying, wait a minute, that was Sabbath. Like that's the end of it, right? The people of God enter into their inheritance. This is God's promise. And so we don't really have to do this anymore. But the writer of Hebrews is saying, wait, this didn't just end back then. Like God spoke of another day, as you're reading through this passage, God spoke of another day that he's giving his people rest. And so to practice Sabbath means we do what God did. We stop working like we stop from our work just as God stopped from his. And so that's what he's saying. And then he goes on, Hebrews chapter four, picking up at verse 11, says this, let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intention of the heart. What's the Hebrew writer saying here? He's saying, hey, there's this practice of Sabbath. Like, it's not something that's already done. We're still practicing this. God has this for us, right? This is a gift from God. And he's saying, hey, you need to be careful, church, because if you let this slip, you can become like the Israelites, the people of God. You can begin to walk in disobedience. 
And he's cautioning them. There's something when you don't have this rhythm of rest that your heart begins to stray. Your heart begins to go away from God. And then he goes into this scripture. The word of God is sharp as any two-edged sword. Now, let me tell you this. I've grown up in church. For the majority of my life, I've sat Sunday after Sunday. I've heard, I don't know how many thousands of messages in my lifetime. I've heard pastors quote this verse. I've quoted this verse. This is why you need to read God's word. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. I've never heard a pastor tie this in with Sabbath, but that's what the writer of Hebrews does. Is he saying, hey, God's word's powerful. You better obey it. God's word is sharp and it gets down into the deepest parts of your life. So when he says you practice Sabbath, let me tell you, church, you practice Sabbath. There's a reason he's speaking to that. It gets down into the deepest parts of your life, dividing the soul from the spirit, the intentions and the thoughts of your mind from the intentions of your heart. Like he's going through all of that. That's the power of the word of God. And I'm thinking we're missing this conversation from the church. Like once again, I've heard thousands of messages. I could count on one hand the amount of times I've heard a pastor or speaker get up and say, hey, you need to rest more. You need to stop. You need to pause in your week, right? We, we just don't do this. We miss this. And we find this originally, if you still have your Bibles open in Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11, this is where God is giving his people the Ten Commandments, and it's in there. It says this, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all of your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You, your sons, your daughters, your male servants, your female servants, your livestock, the sojourner. That means if someone's from another nation and they're living with you who are in your gates for six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. And he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and he made it holy. So God's words instructing us, hey, this needs to be a part of our life. So why don't we do this? Well, as I talk to Christians, I usually hear some objections. And this is what I hear. There's a couple of things. I hear some Christians say, well, isn't that an Old Testament thing? Like that's before the time of Jesus. I mean, Jewish people do that, right? But like we're Christians. We don't, we don't do that kind of thing. And I can't tell you how much is wrong with that kind of thinking. Um, but let me highlight two things that we need to realize as it comes with Sabbath in this objection. Wait, isn't that an Old Testament thing? The first thing is Sabbath is not a product of sin. It's not an answer to sin. Sabbath was instituted before sin ever entered into the world. And so at the beginning of time, God creates for six days, right? And on the seventh day, he rests. He doesn't do that because he's like, man, I'm so tired of making trees and animals. That was so much work. I'm just pooped, right? I need a little bit of rest. He's God. He doesn't get worn out. And so that's not why he does it. He does it as an example for you and for me. And so God doesn't say, oh no, sin's entered the world. What do I do? Oh yeah, I'll give them a day of rest. No, that's not what it's for. Even before sin ever came into the world, God said, hey, we need rest. We need this rhythm of rest inside of our life. He gave this to us as a people. And so it's not an issue of Jesus came and died on the cross for our sins. And so therefore we don't follow that anymore. No, Sabbath was a principle before sin ever entered into the world. So it's still a principle for today. The other thing, as I hear that, hey, isn't that an Old Testament thing? Like we don't offer sacrifices. We don't do that stuff anymore. This is part of the Ten Commandments. And I doubt anyone in this room is sitting here thinking, you know what? That's in the Old Testament. If I get mad at someone, I'm just going to kill them. I'm just going to take your life. I mean, I don't care, right? Jesus came and died on the cross. So that's the Old Testament. That's the Ten Commandments. I can just ignore that, right? No one's doing that. Hopefully you're not saying, hey, I can go out and have an affair. 
I mean, I'll covet my neighbor's wife, right? That's the Ten Commandments. I can do that. Jesus came and died on the cross, so I can. No, we don't do that, you guys. It doesn't make sense. So why are we able to ignore this principle? Why are we so easy to write this off? We don't ignore any of the other Ten Commandments. And there's this beautiful thing that's happening as God gives this guideline to his people, and that is the first part of the Ten Commandments. Talk about living in right relationship with God. No other gods before me. Do not take the Lord your God's name in vain. Do not create any graven images. It's right relationship with God. The last part of the Ten Commandments, right relationships with one another. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not covet your neighbor's possessions or your neighbor's wife. Like there's all of these living in right relationship with others. And I believe that middle one bridges both of those. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. God knew we needed this reminder in our week to pause and reflect on the goodness of God because it keeps us in right relationship with him. And we needed this rest in our week to keep us in right relationship with each other because if not, we would kill one another. I mean, some of you guys, you need that. You need that pause in your life so you don't end up destroying yourself or destroying someone else. That's why God puts it in. It's not just an Old Testament thing. We still need that in our lives today. The second objection isn't just, well, is that an Old Testament thing? But I hear people say, wait, didn't Jesus get mad at the religious people for Sabbath? Like, wasn't there this whole conversation where Jesus got angry because these religious people were practicing this? And that's not what happened at all. Jesus doesn't get mad at the Pharisees for practicing Sabbath. He gets mad because they missed the whole point. And they made Sabbath about a list of all of these rules. Hey, you can walk this far. You can't walk this far. You can pick this up. You can't pick this up. You can do this. And the list became so long, no one could remember it and no one could keep the Sabbath. And then they would hold it over everyone else and point out, you're so far away from God and we're on the inside and you're on the outside. And Jesus said, you've missed the entire thing. See, Sabbath is a gift. And he says it to him like this, man isn't made for the Sabbath. God did not create a holy day and say, oh no, I've got a day of the week. What am I going to do with this? Oh yeah, I'll create man and woman. And then they'll live to serve me on this day. That's not what God did. He said, Sabbath was meant to serve man. And so he created us. He breathed the breath of life into us. And then once again, he said, hey, you're going to need a rhythm of rest in your life. You're going to need a point in the week where you pause. You're going to need a time to reflect. And so he gave Sabbath to us as a gift to each and every one of us to honor him, to worship him. That's what this is. And so this whole idea, did Jesus get mad about this that the religious people? No, he got mad because they missed the whole point. They made it a legal thing and not a gift from God, not as something that God gave to them to honor and to grow them and to keep them in right relationship with him and others. And so when we understand this, what the Hebrew writer is saying, that Jesus is above our work, it causes us to do a few things. The first thing that it causes us to do, Jesus is above our work so we can stop producing you're called to stop producing at some point during your week. And this is vitally important. And let me tell you why. Because for so many of us, our identity is wrapped up in what we do. How much can I make? What can I do? And we even do this, right? We get in a conversation with a new person. What's the first thing that's asked? Hey, what do you do for a living? I'm a teacher, a stay-at-home parent. I do this, like I'm a sales, you know, I'm a business owner, whatever. I'm a pastor. Like we, we say that and my whole identity becomes wrapped up in what I do. And it's powerful when I take a moment and I step back away from that. And now at least one day of the week, I have to realize I'm someone beyond that. Hey, wait, God, my identity is in you. 
You're the first one. Before I had a job, you spoke things over me. You called me your son. You called me your daughter, whatever you know that is. Like God spoke those things. My identity is in God, not in what I do, not in what I'm able to produce, not in what I create. My identity is found in the one who created me. And I need those moments in my week to realize that. I stopped producing. You know why? Because it's a great time to stop and realize, you know what? I don't control the world. And for those of you that like to fix everything, you can't fix everything. And for those of you that are self-centered, the world does not revolve around you. And you need a point in your week where you just remind yourself of that. Hey, God, if I stop doing things, the world's going to keep going. Can I tell you a secret? Businesses ran long before you were born. They'll keep going after you're dead. Like it's just, the world's going, right? Governments are, all of that stuff happened long before I ever came onto this earth and it's still gonna function long after I'm gone. And I need moments in my week where I stop producing and I realize, wait, I'm not God, you are. And I'm not in control of everything, you are God. And it's this rhythm every seven days that I pause and I reflect, oh yeah, God, it's you. Now I want you to hear me here. This does not mean that you should not work. I believe God's word challenges us with that. I believe we honor God through what we do and we're called to bring our best when we're at the workplace, but there also needs to be this rhythm of rest inside of our life. And so God's word says that, hey, if you're, uh, if you're a leader of your household, you're called to provide for your family. And if you don't, you're worse than a sinner. God's word says, if you don't have a job, go out and get a job. God's word tells you that. So you can be generous and you can give when the time comes or when that need arises. We're called to honor God and to give our best in everything that we do, whether you like your job or not. But then there needs to be this moment in your life where you stop producing and where you realize it doesn't all revolve around me, God. It's you. You're the one that's in control. When we realize Jesus is above our work, we enjoy pleasure. I want you to hear this. We enjoy pleasure. And what I mean by this is we delight in the goodness that God has created around us. This is difficult for some of us. Like you feel guilty if you enjoy something. Like, did I earn that? Did I work hard enough? I'm not a boss. I'm not a leader. I haven't done enough work. Like, can I really enjoy something? And you guys, you're forgetting it's a gift. And if you work for it, it's not a gift, right? Like that means that you've earned that. That's wages. But a gift, enjoyment is something that that maybe you didn't work for, but you, you received that. And that's part of what we have. The others of us in this room, we're thinking, wait, pleasure, isn't that a sin or isn't that a Satan thing? Like, and we've forgotten what God's word says. Every good and perfect gift is coming down from your heavenly father. That joy in our life and pleasure forevermore is found at the right hand of God. It's found in the presence of God. You guys, Satan just ripped this whole pleasure thing off. This is God's gift to us. And it's that reminder, God, you're above my work. It doesn't all rest on me. And so I can enjoy what you've given me. And I'm not just waiting for some time out there, out there in the future. But right now, God, there's rhythms of enjoyment in my life. God, where I delight in what you've given me. And so many of us, we're so busy, we're missing it. I read a story when I was um, working on this message. I think it's fictitious, but it kind of drives home the point. And it was of this rich entrepreneur. He's an older gentleman, and he's in a foreign country walking down the beach. And as he's strolling down the beach, he sees a young fisherman in his early 20s, leaned up against his boat. His feet are kind of um, pressed out in the sand, and there's a fishing pole next to him. And he walks up, and he starts making um, small talk with him. And eventually he asked the fisherman, hey, it's the middle of the day. It's not even noon yet. Why aren't you out fishing? The fisherman said, well, I've caught all the fish I need for my family today. And so we're going to eat good tonight. And so I'm just watching the waves roll in. I'm enjoying life. 
And the rich man said, but there's plenty of time left in the day. You could go out and you could catch more fish. The fisherman said, what would I do with them? And he said, we'll take them into the market and sell them. I'll tell you what, let's get a plan. You could buy more nets. And then once you've caught more fish with those nets instead of a pole, you can buy more boats. You can employ more people. You can get more and more stuff. The fisherman said, what would I do with all of those fish? He said, you could sell them. You could retire. You could kick back and enjoy life. The fisherman said, that's what I'm doing right now. And the rich entrepreneur was puzzled. and He just kind of walked off. And you guys, I want you to hear me. I believe that we should strive to be successful. What God's given us, I think that if you're involved in a business, you can look how to expand it. The danger is when that becomes the obsession in your life and you forget to pause right now. And what I've realized at this age in my life is, you guys, I'm not promised 60. I'm not promised 70. I'm not promised 80. And so many of us, we're working so much and we're doing so much that we're not We're assuming, you know what, pleasure's out there somewhere in the far distance, and maybe I'll arrive at retirement, and you don't know that you're going to make it. I don't know that I'm going to make it. And I need to remember, yeah, there's this rhythm of rest in our life where God reminds us, hey, I need to pause and enjoy his gifts today. Today is a gift from God. And so I stop and I enjoy that inside of my life. Whenever we realize that Jesus is above our work, we pause and we praise him. We pause and we praise him. Whenever I stop working and I step back, I pause and I praise him. Why? Because I see that he's in control. I get up, give up this illusion that I'm in control of it all, that I'm fixing. And I realize, wait, God, you're really doing all of this, God. You're moving and, and you're working. And I see you behind the scenes and, the scenes and, and you're seeing these stuff, you know, go forward. And, and I realize, and so what do I do? I give thanks. God, thank you for what you're doing. God, thank you for your work in my life and in other people's life. And so I pause because I realize it's not all resting on me. God, it's you that's doing all of this. And so we need moments where we do that. And if you're thinking, wait, Aaron, don't you tell us to do that every day? Like, isn't I'm reading my Bible, I'm listening to the voice of God. Yeah, yeah, we're called to do that every day. But there's something when you take a day of the week and you set it aside and there's no to-do list. There's no busyness, there's no projects at work, and you just say, God, what do you want to say today? There's nothing else crowding in, God. Nothing else on the agenda, God. What do you want to do today? There's something powerful that can happen in that moment that many times can't happen the rest of the time during the week. And if I asked most of you and said, hey, when's your Sabbath? You would probably say it's Sunday, right? Like like it's Sunday, I come to church, I pause and I reflect on God, and so it's Sunday. But let's stop and look at most of our Sundays. For many of you, you get up early in the morning, you've slept in way too late, you miscalculated again, and so you're yelling at the kids, get up, get ready, we're going to be late for church. It's going to be embarrassing to walk in middle of the service, right? And so you get them dressed, right? Like you're, you're running in, you don't have time for breakfast, thank you, Jesus, that they have donuts at NCC. So kids, just grab those donuts, get into class, right? You step into your seat, but worship's already almost done, and you're thinking, man, I missed it again. You spend about 30 minutes listening to a message and then you rush out the door. Why? Because my kid has sports events. We have sports practice. I have to go to that. My friend has a wedding shower, a baby shower. I have to pick up a gift. I have to go. Hey, I didn't have time because I worked almost the entire weekend. I've got to get groceries before this week starts up. I've got to do some of my kids' laundry so they have clean clothes. Oh no, we have guests coming over in the middle of the week. And so I got to clean the house and we're doing, we're going, going, going. And I have to pause and ask, wait, is that a Sabbath? It's more like we're shoving these 30 or 45 minutes. God, here's what you've got of my week, and I can contemplate and I can think about you, but but the rest of the day, it's just too busy. 
And we've forgotten, wait, Jesus, you said you were above our work. And that there should be this rhythm in our life that so many of us are missing out on and we're forgetting about. And God's word is challenging us with this. And so I wanted to do this, you guys. I wanted to show you practically what this looks like. And so I just really quickly want to walk you practically through my Sabbath day. And this is how it starts is I get up in the morning and I just pray. And it's an honest prayer. I'm like, God, this is what my week has been like. I got frustrated here. God, here are the five things that were on my to-do list that I did not get. And right now they're just weighing down on me. And I think I got to get them done. God, I got mad at my kids here. I said this. God, I failed you here in this moment. This is what my week has been like. God, I had these conversations with a family member, with a friend, with someone, you know, at my work. And God, it was just emotionally drained. I just feel like I poured out this week. And then I just tell them, God, I'm taking the next 24 hours and I'm going to stop. And I'm going to give it to you. And Holy Spirit, I need you to remind me that you're in control, that you're doing this, God, that you're moving the world forward. And it's not just all left on my shoulders. It's not just all up to me, God. This is you. And so I start just with this prayer, reminding myself. And then I think through, hey, what? What is Sabbath? And so we're going to say these out loud again. What is Sabbath? Sabbath means that we stop working, enjoy rest, practice delight, and contemplate God. And so I stop working. What does that look like for me? Well, most of my work week, um, a large part of it is done around this little silver box right here. And I'm writing emails, I'm studying messages, I'm planning events, I'm looking at church finances, right? I'm connecting with people. All of that happens, you know, a lot of it around this, my work week. And so on Sabbath, what I do is I shut this down and I'm not going to open it. Because I know that my to-do list, someone's email, something's going to come up and I'm all of a sudden going to get pulled back into work. I don't know what that looks like for you. It may mean shutting off your cell phone so someone at the office can't get a hold of you. Like it's this pause to say, God, I'm not going to be controlled by other things, God, but I'm going to practice this. I'm going to stop working. But it's not only what I do or maybe what I get paid for. It's other work. And so I'm not going to go grocery shopping like this doesn't happen on my Sabbath. I'm not going to get my oil changed. I'm not going to get my tires. Like I'm not going to, because I'm going to stop working. Let me tell you, we have eight kids. There is a lot of laundry in the Escamilla household. Okay. But for 24 hours, it's kids. Just pull out a clean outfit from the basket. Okay. So what you got to do, just grab something. It's going to be fine. But we stop working, right? We stop doing that because it's this reminder, God, that even with my family, like everything doesn't revolve around me. We need those moments where we stop working and where we honor God. You're going to have to figure out what those triggers are in your life, what that looks like. But what is it that pulls from you? What is it that drains from you? And how do you take that 24 hours in your week to say, God, I'm going to stop doing that. So Sabbath means, let's say these out loud. Sabbath means we stop working, enjoy rest, practice delight, and contemplate God. And so Sabbath means that we do this right here. And I know this is a foreign concept for so many of you, um, and you would feel guilty if you did this. But let me just give you a little hint. Jesus made this thing where your knees bend right here, and so you don't always have to be going, okay? Some of you guys need to realize that. And just this idea where we can rest and where we can relax. And I remember the first time I did this about four or five years ago, I got to 2 p.m., it felt like my body hit a wall, like something just slammed into me. Why? Because I had lived my life stressed out, chaotic and living off of adrenaline. And I didn't know how to do this. And some of you guys, you need to revisit this practice right here of 
I don't have to feel guilty to stop. I don't always have to be picking up after my kids. I don't always have to do the next thing on the show. I need time where I just stop and enjoy. And so I do this. It could be a cup of coffee out on your patio. It could be your feet propped up next to the pool while your kids are swimming. Like it's just something where you stop moving, where my day is not filled up with go, 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 go. And I have time to just actually enjoy rest. And I was living my life where I was not doing this. I was wiped out, so I'd collapse on my bed at night, and then I'd get up early, and I could just feel my heart pulsing and racing as soon as I woke up, because I knew there was more things that I had to do. And I thought, God, that's not how you want me to live. Sabbath means that I enjoy rest. And so I read a book, I'll draw, I'll do something, right, to kind of get that, God, this is what you've called me to do. I'm called to enjoy rest. We need to practice this. So Sabbath means, let's say these out loud together. Sabbath means that we stop working, enjoy rest, practice delight, and contemplate God. And so when I'm talking about practicing delight, here's what I mean. Is in case you can't see what I've got up here, I've got some spices. Um, I've got a little bit of a mixing bowl here. And so on Sabbath, something that helps me to delight is cooking food, okay? And there's two types of cooking. Throughout the week, I have to cook for my kids, and there's a lot of hungry mouths to feed. And so that's stressful. People are waiting at the dinner table. They're waiting for me to kick something else out. But on Sabbath, I don't rush. And no one else gets to eat this except dad, okay? So that's who's going to eat this food, right? And so I, I just love it. On, on Sabbath, I'll take and I'll get a tasty recipe, right? I'll, I'll do something. I'll find something. I love baking. And so, um, so I'll just mix stuff together. And then I'll just pause and I'll enjoy it. That's some good guacamole, you guys. And I don't know what that is in your life. I'm still chewing chips right here, okay, as I'm talking. But I don't know what that is in your life. But it's finding that thing that recharges you, that refuels you, that energizes you in your life where you're not giving out. And so for some of you, that may be hiking and just being out in nature, enjoying what God has given around you. And then for others of you, you're like, I don't want to be hot and sweaty. Like that will just drain me. I'll get stressed out by that. And that's okay. Don't do that. But find what is it that recharges you? What is it that energizes you? How can God pour back into you? How can you practice delight and find enjoyment in what God has given? And so it's finding that thing. And it may be a trial and error. You may try something and then felt like, man, that stressed me out. Well, then don't do that next Sabbath. Find something else, but find a way to practice delight. God, you've given us enjoyment. You've given us pleasure. And Lord, I want to enter into that. The the last thing is this over here. and, And it's contemplate God. And in case you can't see this, I've got my journals. I've got my Bluetooth speaker And this just reminds me, it just represents in my life, hey, I'm going to take time and I'm going to reflect on what God is wanting to say to me. And so it's not always at the start of my day, but I'm going to write down some things that I feel like God is speaking. I'm going to listen to some worship music and I'm just going to listen to the voice of God. I'm going to ask him, God, speak to me. Lord, let me hear your voice. What are things that you've been wanting to say to me? And maybe I've been busy at work, God, but here, Lord, here's 24 hours just open to you. And it's not just starting or ending the day like that. It's all throughout my day. God, there's nothing on the agenda, Lord. And so however you want to lead me, God, whatever you want to do, Lord, I want to set this apart and I want to practice this in my life. And then I end Sabbath similar to the way that I started it. And I pray and I just thank God, God, these past 24 hours were a gift. God, thank you for pouring back into me. Holy Spirit, thank you for speaking to me. God, thank you for what you said. That that meant so much. God, thank you for the book that I read. God, thank you 
for those slow smoked ribs. They were so delicious. Jesus, let there be meat in heaven. Okay, and I'll just thank him for whatever I've done, however I've enjoyed that day, what God has done in my life. I just take time and I say, thank you for that, God. Thank you for that gift that you've given me. Church, we need this practice in our life. This is what Sabbath means. And so this is what we're gonna do. We felt like this is so important as a church, we need to do something. And so next Sunday on July 8th, we're not meeting here together, but we're gonna each practice Sabbath together. And so what that means is when you come to the doors, if you come here next Sunday, there are gonna be no smiling faces, okay? You're not gonna be able to get into the building because we want to take a Sunday and we just want to do this together. And I know here's what's gonna happen. Some of you are gonna wake up next Sunday in a cold sweat, not because you're late, but because you're missing church. And you're gonna start to wonder, does Jesus still love me? I never miss church. Am I okay if I die today? And let me rest assured, Jesus still loves you, okay? You still love him, it's gonna be okay. Even if you miss a Sunday, we're gonna practice this together. Others of you, you only come once or twice a month, it's gonna feel like a normal Sunday, okay? But, but let me challenge you, even if you do that, okay? Practice Sabbath. Don't let Sunday just be a normal thing. Practice Sabbath next week, right? Set this apart of God, I'm giving you this day. And, and here's the heart of why we're doing this. It's not because Sabbath means I don't come to church. I think that's important that we're together, we worship together, we hear God's word. But sometimes when we're kicking off a new habit, we need something different. And so we said as a church, we're willing to set aside a Sunday morning service to give you a few more hours to kickstart this practice in your life to do something different, to kind of give you that jump start that you need a few extra hours. But I want you to honor God that day and to do these things that we've talked about. So next Sunday, we're not gonna be together, okay? But we're all gonna be practicing this together. We're gonna be doing this. And then on July 15th, we're gonna come back together. We're gonna worship and we're gonna hear God's word again. We're gonna be challenged with the message. But the goal is that you started a practice that now you can introduce into the routine of your week and that you have a different day Okay, starting this thing off, kicking it off so that every other week throughout the year, you're like, hey, I've kind of got this. I, I know how it would go. Know kind of what's taking place. And it jump starts you into what God wants. And that's our desire. Because so many of us were missing out on life, church, because of what God, because we're so busy and God has challenged us to pause and to rest.